Kirby, New York Congressman Lee Zeldin, sports star Tim Tebow, Colin Wayne's unique success strategy, and Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Richie Fury. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. Thank you, and welcome, everyone, to our show. What a great studio audience, and we're so happy to have some folks here. So many places don't have anybody doing, uh, you know, their studio audience anymore. They're doing their stuff from home. Not us, by golly. We got the greatest people on earth right here in the room. Happy to have them. Now, we limit the audience to 25% of what we used to have, so I tell these guys, they got to act 75% more excited than they ordinarily would. The good thing is they do because they're having such a good time. Hey, I don't know if you ever heard this, but Mark Twain supposedly said, everyone talks about the weather, but no one ever does anything about it. Maybe someone forgot to tell Joe Biden that. Because <laughs> this week he rolled out his climate change initiative and brought in the king of commoners, John Kerry who is going to be his climate czar. It's kind of like a rerun of the Obama years when we had a room full of czars. Remember that? Back then, these highly paid czars talked about stuff, but they never did anything about it. Well, President Biden says climate change is the greatest threat to our health. I sure thought it was COVID. So I hope Biden doesn't want to shut down the economy and make us wear hazmat suits to protect us against the eroding ozone layers. Now, when John Kerry took to the podium to announce the White House plan to fix the climate, it was less than a week from the disastrous executive order that President Biden signed to shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, which immediately killed thousands of high-paying American jobs, and it really ticked off Canada who had been our partner in the pipeline. Now, these are truly high-paying jobs, north of $130,000. But China sure loved the job-killing announcement, and so did Russia. Russia gets to sell their oil to the market that we're making more expensive after four years of being energy independent. And China, they're laughing, knowing they're going to keep on buying their energy and continue being the world's biggest polluter while the United States surrenders its energy policy to the Europeans. Now, here's a little inconvenient truth. When President Trump pulled us out of the Paris Climate Accords because he didn't want America to be told what to do by European elitists, we actually reduced our own carbon footprint more than any other country. Now, think about this. Without the Paris Accords, we have exceeded the goals that we were supposed to do under the Paris Accords. But John Kerry still owns and flies in a private jet. It puts out 40 times the carbon footprint than if he flew commercial. But John Kerry is the ultimate elitist snob. He wants to set rules for you, but has no intention of living by them himself. 
He told the workers who are losing their jobs that are paying over $130,000 a year to go out and get a job building solar panels for about $40,000 a year. Hey, maybe they can get a job cleaning John Kerry's big jet. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to be polite, I really am, but for those of you who couldn't bring yourself to vote for President Trump because you didn't like the tone of his tweets, you do understand that Joe Biden is killing jobs and changing abortion policies so that now you're funding abortions in foreign countries as a result of another of his executive orders. And by the way, just two months ago, he said bypassing the legislative process and doing executive orders was like the actions of a dictator. Yet he's legislated more executive orders in 10 days than Reagan, both of the Bushes, Clinton, Obama, and Trump did combined in the same amount of time. And in one executive order, he decreed that biological boys must be able to participate as girls in athletics, virtually destroying the progress that has been made under Title IX to give women's sports some support. In a real stroke of irony, that has the feminist up in arms since, hey, they've been fighting for years to be treated with respect, only to have President Biden tell them that there's no such thing as gender. I guess that kind of messes up the history-making notion of Kamala Harris being the first woman VP because we're not supposed to see her as a woman or a man, just a person. I mean, you are whatever you imagine yourself to be and whatever you identify to be. So if your teenage girl is required to shower after PE class with some teenage boy because he's imagining himself to be a girl, don't complain if you thought Joe Biden was a mainstream moderate. And if you pay six bucks a gallon for gas or you lose your six-figure job in the energy sector, if you're told to accept that illegal immigrants will be given free health care, education, and voting rights, and share a shower yourself with someone of the opposite sex because they decided to just be something different today, please don't tell me you didn't like Donald Trump's tweets. I'm not nearly as offended by Donald Trump's abrasive personality as I am by Joe Biden's America Last policies. Well, Congressman Lee Zeldin is a member of Congress that represents the, well, once great state of New York. He says Governor Andrew Cuomo needs a massive reality check on his policies that have only harmed New York. And while the state's falling apart, Governor Cuomo's writing self-congratulatory books and winning Emmys for his press conferences. We are glad to have Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin. Uh, it is a pleasure to have you here, and I want us to start on the issue that's going on in your state. Governor Cuomo has taken a lot of heat for the nursing home policy that resulted in massive deaths. Attorney General now says that there may have been 50% more deaths than previously reported. He blames all of that, of course, on President Trump. Your reaction? That's uh, Governor Cuomo's M.O. He is never accepting responsibility for anything that ever goes wrong about anything. Uh, and here, what happened early in the pandemic was a policy that came from the state, came from Cuomo, that took infected patients and required nursing homes to place them with healthy residents. And that caused the deaths of thousands of New Yorkers. To make the uh, state administration look good, 
they then artificially suppressed the count of the amount of people who died as a result of this policy. And that's why we just saw this report come out from the New York State Attorney General showing this massive undercount. I, I believe that it was an, a, a deliberate undercount to protect the governor. One of the things that was, I think, maybe most troubling is that President Trump gave Cuomo everything he asked for. He gave him ventilators early in the pandemic. He made sure that he had equipment, uh, even provided a hospital ship that never really needed to be utilized. And rather than say, thank you, Mr. President, for the extraordinary assistance that you gave to us, he turned around and tried to blame President Trump for bad decisions that he, Andrew Cuomo, made. Have you had conversations with Cuomo? Have you tried to say, look, pal, you got everything you needed? I, I have been in touch with the governor through this process, and unfortunately, he's a political animal. We saw this coming from a, a while away. As November 3rd was going to get closer, he was going to start getting more partisan, more political. Now, earlier on in this process, Cuomo said that President Trump's response was phenomenal. And I remember... One request yeah. after another, you bring up the USNS Comfort. The Javits Center created a, a hospital there. There were temporary hospitals created all over the place. And, and you know the state requested public lab uh, testing approvals, private lab testing approvals, semi-automated testing approvals, PPE. It was just every ask was a response of a yes and, and an instant delivery of what was being requested. When... New York elects Andrew Cuomo and keeps reelecting him. Do they ever start thinking that maybe there's a reason so many people are leaving the state and heading south, uh, getting the heck out of there? Is there hope for a Republican, maybe a Lee Zeldin being elected governor of New York in the near future? New Yorkers have a, an important decision to make. They can keep going with the same old one-party Democratic rule up in Albany that has led to a loss of freedoms, higher taxes, erosion of public safety, cashless bail, uh, many pushing to defund the police movement. I started for four years, two terms in the New York State Senate. And when I started in 2010, if I walked up to a colleague and I accused them of being a socialist, that would have been a hyperbolic rhetorical insult to them. Now, fast forward 10 years, there are a whole bunch of state legislators where if I walked up to them and I accused them of not being a socialist, they will take that as a hyperbolic rhetorical bomb. What happened in such a short period of time in New York? Why, why is that? I, I think the trend started primarily in New York City. Uh, I think it's uh, Bill de Blasio's style of campaign and promises, trying to feed into a resentment that people who are truly struggling may have towards others who are more successful. I remember when Bill de Blasio was running under the platform that he wanted universal childhood pre-K paid for by a tax increase on the wealthy. So the state legislature uh, ends up supporting funding for universal childhood pre-K. Pre the, the great news is delivered to Bill de Blasio. Hey, we got your number one priority from the campaign. Instead of a thank you, Bill de Blasio's response was, well, I want my tax increase. And I think that that approach towards governing and politicking is one that has just driven New York City further into the ground and has really contorted the Democratic base of New York City in a way where they're demanding this push. That's why they just defunded $1 billion from the NYPD. 
I want to turn to national issues, the impeachment at the House. What a travesty. But maybe the great tra travesty for many of us was watching Republican leaders like Liz Cheney support the impeachment. You've been one of the most, uh, I think, effective voices in Congress uh, to call out the ludicrousy of all of this. Should Liz Cheney step away from her position as the Republican conference chair since she's joining with the Democrats and supporting the impeachment of former President Trump? On February 3rd at 9 a.m., the House Republican Conference is going to be having a meeting. Uh, and I think it's important for me to have the opportunity in that room to deliver my thoughts on that directly uh, to her first. She hasn't called me. Hmm. So I, I, I have a lot of issues with a lot of things right now uh, of what's going on in Washington. Uh, this month of January has been a very trying month. And I can't even imagine what it's like being a freshman right now in Congress. Um, but my message that I have for my colleagues, uh, I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to share first off in person with them face to face Wednesday at 9 a.m. CBC Auditorium in the Capitol Visitor Center. Fair enough. And we'll be anxious to see uh, how that goes. Uh, there's a reason you're one of my uh, very favorites in Congress and one of the brightest lights in the uh, entire House of Representatives. Congressman, thank you for joining us. A delight to have you here. Thanks so much, Governor. You can follow the congressman on social media at Lee Zeldin. Also learn more about what he's doing, visiting his website, which is zeldin.house.gov. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is about to give you the skinny on what we have coming up tonight. Well, next, football and baseball pro Tim Tebow. And later, country rock pioneer Richie Fure. My next guest is a two-time national college football champion, Heisman Trophy winner, first-round NFL draft pick, ESPN analyst, pro baseball player, and a philanthropist. Now he's the author of a best-selling children's book. It's called Bronco and Friends, A Party to Remember. It's a book that is so easy to read, Keith has read it twice. <laughs> Would you please welcome a truly delightful man, Tim Tebow. I just want you to know, Trey Corley has never played a, a song for me like that. I love I it. This is hey, great. that was well done. Hey, man, that's just for you. If I had a helmet, I would have held it up for it. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you. How you guys doing tonight? Well, they love you, and they should. By the way, I want to begin. You spoke um, at the March for Life, which is an annual event this year. It had to be done virtually because of COVID. Uh, First of all, I'm so grateful you have the courage of your convictions. You don't shy away from your Christian faith and your uh, commitment to the sanctity of human life. You told a very powerful story about a young man 
Would, would you give us the abbreviated version of that? Because I think it is just an amazing story. Well, I, I do believe in the sanctity of life. And uh, the reason I'm here is because my mom gave me a chance um, when the doctors told her that it would cost her her life um, and me, even if I was a baby. See, at first I thought I was a tumor. And so actually my <laughs> first nickname was Timmy the Tumor. <laughs> it's not that funny, guys. It is funny. No, that's funny. <laughs> and and um, that's what happens when you have four older siblings. <laughs> but my mom decided to trust God. And that's the reason that I'm here today. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful um, because my mom had courage and it was a really, really tough pregnancy. Um, and a doctor who had been um, um, helping women give birth for over 35 years, um, when uh, my mom gave birth to me, um, he said, this is the greatest miracle I've ever seen because the placenta wasn't attached properly the whole pregnancy and they weren't sure how I was getting enough nutrients. And I, I was malnourished, but thank the Lord I made up for it quickly, so. I think you did okay, you know? You know, to, to go from the doctor saying there's no way this kid can make it to winning a Heisman Trophy, playing both pro baseball and pro football, I, I think it's a great affirmation that God is always up to something bigger than we are. He always is. Always is. You're, I think, one of the real heroes of people of faith because you have been bold and you, you've not been afraid to take a stand and sometimes take a knee. Now, you took a knee for prayer and you were roundly criticized. I mean, excoriated for that. A few years later, NFL players take a knee against America and they're celebrated for it. I gotta ask, Tim, did it sometimes just kind of bug you inside that the very thing that you got in so much trouble for, which was a positive thing about your faith, was celebrated when it was negative about America? Um, I, I don't think so, um, because for me, is I try to live by my convictions and what I believe you know, God wants me to do. And sometimes I'm not always sure, but when I feel convictions, I wanna stand by that. And, um, and for me, um, it's not about what other people choose to do. Yeah. It's about what I believe is right at the moment. Mm. And so um, everybody has their own convictions. And when you, um, you believe in those, I want other people to stand or do what you believe is right. But for me, um, that wasn't something that I did when I was just in the NFL. See, that's where I think a lot of people get it wrong is they say that was a touchdown celebration. And this gets written all the time when people refer to it. Oh, he did it as a celebration. I never did it after a touchdown, not one time in my life. Mm. I did it before and after every game so I could try to be connected to the giver of life. Mm. So I could ask him before and after a game, whether we won or lost, to give me the strength to handle it, to honor you with the, with the good, with the bad, after a game to um, say thank you for the win or thank you for the loss, but to try to humble myself um, before him on a stage when everybody makes it about me, I wanted to make it about him. You know, even though the outside world, it does have an effect because, um, you know, we have emotions and I'm a people pleaser. I want people to like me, but then I learned, you know what? It's easy for likes to come and go. Mm but it's a lot harder for respect. Yeah. And so I decided, you know, it's so, it was so easy. I, I wanna be liked, but then I chose to really have the mindset of, you know what, I would, I would rather be res try to be respected, try to, try to earn people's respect. Well, and, and I, I think you are, I really do. And one of the things I'm really happy about, you've got a best-selling book, and Keith really 
can't understand it. I read it to him twice. I didn't tell the whole <laughs> story. I read it to him. Love the pictures. But it's Bronco and Friends, a party to remember. There's more to this than just a children's book. There's a message here. There really is. What is that message? Well, the message is, um, and I try to illustrate it with a, a group of animals led by Bronco, but really the story is every single one of us is created in love, by love, and for love, and the God of this universe has a great plan for us, and there is a purpose for our life. And I want every single boy or girl that, reads, that reads this book or has this book read to them like I did when my parents would read to me before I'd go to sleep. And I want them to understand the last three lines of this book. You are unique, you are special, you are wonderful. And we also finish by sharing Ephesians 2.10, for you are God's mm. masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for you long ago. See, I want every boy or girl to realize. Mm. Absolutely. I want every boy or girl to realize that before they were born, the God of this universe wrote a masterpiece about their life. That's how valuable they are. That's how purposeful they are. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. They are one of one. And you know, so many times in our life, it's so easy to just compare because that's what our society does. You need to look like this. You need to have this many followers. You need to have this many likes. You need to be this, this, and this. And God is saying, listen, I put you here in that family, in that place for a reason, for a purpose, and I have a great plan and purpose for you. If I wanted you to be taller, you would have been taller. If I wanted you to be shorter, you would have been shorter. But you were fearfully and wonderfully made the way that you are. And, and, and that's why I want every single boy or girl to realize and understand when they're thinking, when they start getting told by the world, I'm supposed to be all these things. No, you need to be exactly who God made you to be, period. And it's a wonderful message. It's, I think it's a great book for kids. I'm going to read it to my grandchildren. And uh, I hope every parent gets it for their kids. And even more, every grandparent gets it for their <laughs> grandkids. It's a fun, Thank cute you. book. The illustrations are beautiful. And Bronco, the dog in the book, was named after your own dog, Yes, right? that passed away last year. So I wanted to honor him. But and also, the rest of the main characters were actually also... Um, wish kids that I was extremely close with that Beautiful. all lost their battle to cancer but mm -hmm. are now looking down from heaven and hopefully, you know, they're smiling a little bit about I, Bronco and Friends I have as a well. feeling they are. Bronco and Friends, it's available now. And if you want to learn more about the night to shine and the fight against human trafficking, one of the things that Tim Tebow is giving a lot of his attention to, visit timtebowfoundation.org. Also, keep up with Tim on social media. It's actually a positive experience. By the way, I got some special news. Here in our audience, all the folks in our audience, they're going to get a copy of oh, A Party cool. to Remember. I love it. So they're going to go home with the very book that we're telling you to go buy. All the more reason you should come and be with us in the theater sometime. All right, Keith, what, you know, I've given away a book. Have you got anything big? I was just wondering if you would read it to my grandchildren. Yep. Tell the calm comedian Kristen Weber, Huck's hero Colin Wayne, and rock and roll Hall of Famer Richie Fury. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. Hey, how about a real big hand for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection tonight? Thank you. Yeah. Well, our next guest is a comic that we first met when she entertained our studio audience. She is an inspiring speaker and author. 
her latest book. I love the title, Adulting for Jesus. What about that? It's called a book about purpose, trusting God, and obviously burritos. How that all fits together, only she knows. Hey, we're going to talk about that. But first, I want you to welcome to our stage the very funny Kristen Weber. Wow. Thank you guys so much. I am very excited to be here tonight. Uh, we're going to get to know each other really well um, because I will be entertaining you for about the next seven hours. Oh, wow, that was a really kind response. Um, no, that is 100% a joke. Um, I'm a millennial. We don't do seven-hour work days. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was very exciting. I recently moved uh, to the south. I live in Georgia now. And I moved there from, actually, Southern California, Los Angeles. Um, now, I know uh, Los Angeles sometimes gets a bad rap, but there are certain things that I do miss about it. Um, like, mainly, I miss the random things that happen when you live really close to Hollywood. Uh, like, this one time, I was just walking down the street, and these paparazzi jumped out, and they started taking pictures of me. <gasps> um, no, to make a long story short, if about three years ago in May, you guys saw a tabloid picture with a caption that read, Anne Hathaway really lets herself go, that was me! <laughs> Yeah. Um, the other thing that I kind of miss is, um, because I'm single, which in Los Angeles, being single there is no big deal. Nobody cares. They do care whether you're single in the South. Um, I live in the Bible Belt now, and I have learned that my age in Southern Baptist years <laughs> is about 347. So I get all kinds of advice on how to get a husband. Um, my neighbor told me, she was like, sweetie, just find someone who makes you happy. And I was like, I live two miles from a Chipotle. I am already happy. It's <laughs> like, can't I just marry someone who will make me rich? Because then I could get guac on my Chipotle. <laughs> you need a second job to afford that stuff. Um, the other thing that people sometimes say, and they, uh, they always mean it like a compliment, but it almost always comes out like an insult. So I guess it's like a complisult or an insultament or something like that. Um, they'll say, girl, I just don't know why you don't have a husband yet. And the thing is, is I know exactly why I do not have a husband yet. Uh, I actually have a picture of why I do not have a husband yet. Can we show that picture? If you do not know what I am holding, that is a modern-day chastity belt. <laughs> yes. I have learned, thank you. Um, yes, playing the accordion comes with a free gift of celibacy. Because yeah. guys are very hesitant to date one-third of a mariachi band, apparently. So I get advice. Um, no, actually, I got the best advice uh, after a show uh, one time on how to get a husband. This woman rushed up after me, uh, and she was like, oh, sweetie, 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 sweetie. I was like, whoa, that was like seven sweeties. This is going to be good. She did not disappoint. She said, OK, now, sweetie, I know you joke about it in your act, but is getting married something that you want? And I was like, sure, when I meet the right guy, when the timing is right. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. If you're ready to get married now, here's what you got to do. She was like, you need to get a pair of man's pants, and you need to hang them at the end of your bed. And then you pray to God every single night to fill those pants with the perfect man. <laughs> she wasn't finished. But she was like, 
but you're tall, so you need to get a big pair of pants so that you get a tall man. And I was like, well, my dad's pretty tall. Maybe next time I'm home, I can just use a pair of his. And she was like, oh, no, 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 sweetie. That's a little weird. (laughs) It's like, I don't even know where the bar for weird is right now. It's definitely gotten higher. And then she said, just go to Goodwill and get a pair. And I was like, but then would I get a used man? Like, I gotta think about this. Do I want a doctor? Should I get scrubs? If I put an Iron Man suit out, would I get Robert Downey Jr.? If I put a pair of skinny jeans at the end of my bed, would I get a worship pastor? My name is Kristen Weber. You guys have been a delight to entertain this evening. Thank you. Kristen, we love having you here. You are a very funny person. I love being here. This book is is very Kristen. Adulting for Jesus. What in the world does that even mean? It was kind of a take on, uh, because I am a millennial, and so um, millennials have come up with the term adulting for anything that involves doing what people just refer to as responsibility, (laughs) is now called adulting. (laughs) So I just thought it was a a fun way of, uh, I just thought it would be a catchy title that would sell books. Well, let's hope it sells a lot of them, which I hope it does. I hope a lot of people will want to read it because it's a great book. It's funny, and and you tell wonderful stories. You know, I I think... um, one of the things, you're one of the few millennials I know that you don't take yourself so seriously and mm-hmm. you can make fun of millennials. And a lot of millennials, they don't see anything funny in the world. Everything is serious. I think, I think there's some truth to that. I think, the biggest, um, I think the biggest thing that millennials are having to deal with, and this is where it comes at taking things so seriously, is um, you have to go through hard things, I think, to learn how to loosen up and take yourself less seriously. That comes from just trials and falling down and getting back up. So like your generation, my parents, my grandparents, uh, they were all born uh, to hardship and had to work toward comfort. Whereas my generation, many of us, not all of us, but a lot of us were born into comfort. And uh, that was kind of our standard. So we grew up with this idea thinking that Life should be easy with a few hard moments when in reality, life is hard. The easy moments are the exceptions. Mm-hmm. So we are coming to that reality, learning that just in our 20s and 30s. And so I think that's why the millennial crisis is uh, perceived as what it is. That may be one of the most brilliant adult assessments I have heard. Of, oh, thank you. I may, I, that's why your book is, is one that people ought to get and read, to understand millennials better. Mm-hmm. Okay. The accordion deal. That's real, isn't it? Yes. I mean, you I really did. play the accordion. Yes, well, you've seen me because I, I, I brought it here and I come in and then, but the audience <laughs> kept leaving when I would bring it. So they asked me to stop. <laughs> Dude, when did you start playing the accordion? Was that a little um, thing? In my 20s, because I'm an introvert. Oh, okay. And in my 20s, I started getting a lot of friends and I was like, this has got to stop. What do I do <laughs> to just like curb this? People are wanting me to come out. The like, accordion Yes, out. it did. Yeah. <laughs> Right away. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I, I want to squeeze out my social life. We'll get your book. You can find this Adulting for Jesus and Kristen's Smart Girls Guidebooks for Teens online. Also, check out our website, KristenWeberOnline.com, as well as her social media pages for a lot of hilarious videos, booking info so you can have her come to your community, your church, your event, and also her blog. I hope you'll do it. Next, Tux hero Colin Wayne and country rock pioneer Richie Furey. More Huckabee is coming up.
And welcome back. Maybe you have dreamed of tracing the path of the Apostle Paul in the beautiful Mediterranean, walking the path that he walked as he introduced the world to the gospel of Christ. Why don't you stop dreaming? Go with me, October the 24th through November the 2nd. We're going to be spending an unforgettable time seeing the places that you have read about in the New Testament where the church was actually formed. We're going to have the entire luxurious cruise ship to ourselves for our journey, and space is filling up, so be sure and make your reservation today. For the information, go to thegreatesttrip.com. I look forward to seeing you on board the ship. So while serving his country in Afghanistan, tonight's Huck's hero was seriously injured in a rocket attack eight years ago. His recovery consisted of months of physical therapy and a fusion surgery on his spine, but his spirit was unbroken. He went on to build one of the fastest growing companies in America, but even though he operates a for-profit business, he continues to serve by running his business for people first. Watch. In March of 2020, we all felt the impact of COVID and what took place. I had it on my heart to be a hands extended to my employees. That was the first thing. I wanted to make sure that those hourly employees knew for a fact that no matter what, I've got your back. And I paid everybody's mortgages or apartment payments for the month of April. A few weeks later, we created what's called the Give Back Collection and donated over $3.2 million to medical staff and first responders across the nation. Because even though we're in Huntsville, Alabama, we can make an impact across the entire country. Please welcome our Huck's hero, Colin Wayne. Colin, what a great story. It is a wonderful story. Eight years ago, injured seriously in war, did you think your life might just be over as you knew it? I really did. You know, I um, served this nation for nearly seven years. I volunteered for three combat tours, and mm. um, I always wanted to just be a hands extended and serve this nation no matter what capacity it was. And um, I think that near-death experience in Afghanistan when a rocket impacted about three and a half feet from me, mm. I knew through the grace of God that I survived for a reason. I didn't know what that was. Um, and, you know, the, there's so many chapters that's just continued to develop. And now owning my company, Redline Steel, being a hands extended to so many first responders, medical staff, it's, it's, it's heartfelt. Like, I, I feel like I can operate and, um, if, it, from a place of integrity, and it feels just the right thing to do. Colin, you must have had a moment at which this vision of a company came to you. Mm. Was it while you were recovering that you had this idea, I think I can start a business? So I actually wanted to get a piece for my son. It was a steel monogram, mm. a baseball player. He was yeah. swinging a bat just like this. And uh, I reached out to a local company and was actually going to uh, just buy a sign. And that's how it started. Um, transitioned into consulting. And then I actually wanted to partner with him. And the day we were supposed to sign, he ended up backing out. And so I started the company with zero experience in manufacturing. And um, I kind of took that as a challenge. What's, what's been the key to this entrepreneurial success of yours? So I think uh, 
it's, it's, it's true faith, a belief that this can be, so my vision is that this will be a billion dollar company. And mm. I believe that wholeheartedly. I started in 5,000 square feet without any experience manufacturing and just continued to scale. Within two and a half years, we were in 110,000 square feet. And to date, we've shipped over 5 million products. 5 million products. By the way, they're beautiful products. Uh, you were showing me one backstage. It's a gorgeous, uh, just steel American flag. And it can go indoors, outdoors. It, I mean, it'll last forever. It, this is not a, a piece of cheap art. This is very beautiful stuff. So how many different products do you have in your line altogether? So we have all kind of different apparel, from apparel to steel. Uh, we used to do candles, um, but all kind of different things. You know, people, are, they're running out of wall art space. We have an incredible, um, we call it an Ascension model, but customers that have ordered and they're, they're true, uh, we call them elite members. And we created that and we actually send them uh, $150 worth of product for free, uh, just because mm. they've, they've supported my business, my brand, and I want to give back to them. And Colin, you know, I think it's fascinating. You're, you're not just a guy that's out there making money. You're, you know, you're, your company's doing great. It's a multi-million dollar company. But you've started several nonprofit charitable foundations. You're giving as much money away as you're making. So what motivates you to say, okay, making money is great, but giving it away is even better? You know, I'm so fortunate that I don't have a board of advisors that just looks hmm. at the bottom line. I truly believe that when you can operate from that place of integrity, the universe and God will respond. Yeah. And he'll give it back times 10. And he's blessed me with three beautiful children. Well, he has blessed three great children. But, you know, I just want you to understand how grateful I am. The reason we wanted to honor you as a Huck's hero is because your story is the American story. You, you, you served this country. You were injured for the rest of us to keep us free. You come home. It could have gone south on you, but you looked to God and you looked within yourself and said, I'm not finished. And man, oh man, have you ever affirmed the American dream of starting something from nothing and creating a multi-million dollar job, employing hundreds of people and then starting charitable foundations that continues to help. Colin, Wayne, Thank you. Thank We're you. honored to honor you tonight. Now, to find out more about Colin Wayne and his nonprofit endeavors, follow him on social media. And you can find his podcast called Project Redline. Also, merchandise, marketing tips, and a whole lot more on his website. Go to that website. Look at some of those products. I promise you'll order some. You'll be impressed with what he's doing and say, that's not junk. That's beautiful art. And it's quality. Get that at redlinesteel.com. Coming up, country rock pioneer and rock and roll hall of fame inductee, Richie Fury. You're watching Huckabee. Well, Richie Foray is a music pioneer, trailblazing the country rock sound of the 60s and 70s that we grew up with. He has been inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of the mega band Buffalo Springfield. 
All of you remember the signature hit? Yeah. For what it's worth. What a song. It is one of the most familiar tunes of the 60s. Even people who lived through the 60s, they may not remember much about it because they lived in it, but they remember that song. Buffalo Springfield is a band which he founded with a couple of guys you might have heard of, Stephen Stills and Neil Young. But Richie is also a founding member of the country rock band Poco, plus the trio Souther, Hillman, Foray. Richie Foray, a musician's musician. And he's here to talk about his remarkable life and career in music, ministry, and family. Give a big welcome to Richie Foray. Thank you, Governor. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to have you here. Thank you. It's my honor to be here, for sure. You've had an extraordinary career that goes over 50 years. Yeah. You started Buffalo Springfield with Neil Young, Stephen Steele's. Yeah. I mean, you guys pioneered a sound of music that really kind of changed rock and roll in that time. Yeah, we did. We were one of the first bands in Los Angeles to actually play our own music in the studio. Most everyone yeah. was uh, the Wrecking Crew played there. So we were one of the first bands. And, uh, you know, my career has been so interesting because I never had anyone ever tell me, you got to sound like this or you mm. have to be like this group. So we were always pioneers kind of leading the way for, uh, you know, music while we were just living the moment. It was great. Back then, did you think, Oh, in 50 years, I'll still be doing this stuff. No, I was retired by now. <laughs> I am retired now, but uh, I was, I said at 40, I'm done, you know, but here we are, you know, some 30 years later. <laughs> Something that has impressed me, uh, you have spent a lot of your adult life, I mean, you've still been active in music, Yeah. but you have spent most of your adult life ministering as a pastor of a church, yep. which a lot of people say, wow, I didn't know that about Richie. Was there a moment at which the Lord became the center of your life? Was that after the music uh, career? Absolutely. Uh, the Lord became the center of my life when I really had the carpet really pulled out from under me. My wife and I had been married for seven years and uh, she ended up winning a divorce and we separated for mm. seven months. Wow. And it was it was pretty uh, it was it was pretty devastating. We've got 54 years coming up now. Though. I think so, that's yeah, pretty good. That's 54 <laughs> years. But, wow. <laughs> uh, but it, it was it was there that you know I, I accepted the Lord and uh, uh, it was like I was learning a lot of Scripture at that time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. And you know, there, there was a time when I'm wondering, you know, how long is this path? You know, I didn't know. <laughs> Some of us are still wondering <laughs> that. seven months <laughs> felt like forever. But you know what? I wouldn't trade those seven months of separation now for anything because mm. it was then that the Lord really took Nancy, my wife, and took me and, and, and showed us that he had to be first in our life. He, he didn't want us separated, but he wanted to be first in our life. And that's what happened. And, uh, and after that, you know, I, I, uh, I pastored a church, Calvary Chapel in Broomfield in Boulder, Colorado for uh, 35 years. Wow. And uh, if somebody would have told me somewhere along the way, you know what, you're going to be a Christian, number one, and then number two, you know, you're going to be a pastor. I looked at him yeah. and said, Yo, Sure, right, right. Yeah. right. Uh -huh. But, you know, you could have just said, uh, marriage isn't that important. My music is important. You clearly have a gift. I'm amazed at how your voice is so strong. I mean, it's just terrific. And yet you decided four daughters a wife and grandchildren were more important to you Absolutely. than being famous or rich in, in the music industry. I mean, not many people have made that choice. Many have turned the other way yeah, well, and probably regret it. I, I, uh, 
I, I tell you, I'm just so thankful that the Lord was very patient with me. And uh, I did. I gave, I gave it up. I thought I was done with music hmm. after, um, I mean, we were in the middle of the Souther Hillman Fury Band. And it was like, I have to have my my family. That's yeah. what I want. I, and so I was on a crusade at that point in time. God bless you. Know, you. Uh, well, and then God has blessed us through you. You've got a uh, new recording coming out yeah. this summer, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm excited about hearing. I think country classics yeah. you're going to be doing. And a documentary that's in production that will come out next year, yep. The uh, Life and Influence of Richie Foray. I, I think that's going to be fun. When is that going to come out where we can see it? Um, well, that will be, you know, in, uh, I guess, next year. So it, it's, still a, it's still a little ways down the road. I do have a, a double CD uh, project. I, I recorded Poco's Live uh, 50. It was called Deliver. The album was called Deliverin'. Uh -huh. And I took my band to the Troubadour and, and did a 50-year anniversary type thing. And, and we did the whole album uh, wow. Live, so I don't know any other group that's ever done a live recording of a live recording. You know, but I that's think that's what, pretty good. That's what we did, um, and then um, uh, let's see, in 2019, uh, I did I did this country classics album of which we did 14 songs in four days, and then COVID came along and it kind of put everything on hold. So it's coming out this summer, but what a project that was! Well, I'm uh, I'm just glad that you're still going, and whew. you know what I'm most glad of. You're here tonight, and we're going to get to play some music with oh, you. Oh, great. That is exciting. Thank you, Governor. Keith Bilbrey <laughs> is standing by to uh, give us a little preview of what's coming up. Well, for all the latest about Richie's life and music, go to his website at richieferre.com. After the show, go to Huckabee.t for an online exclusive performance of Richie singing Kind Woman. Coming up, Richie Foray performs with Mike, Trey Corley, and the Music City Connection. You're watching Huckabee. Now, performing the world premiere of America, America with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike sitting in on bass is Richie Foray. America, God shed your grace, please do. Wake up, wake up, our sleeping soul. Oh, we hear the bells that toll. My heart's breaking. Watching the world turn upside down Seeing our nation Hurting in the grass while burning to the ground Though history sure has torn us When you take your eyes off of God There ain't nothing to fall back on Though some would say that thought Makes you wonder, is there a point of no return? Have we crossed that line forever? What lessons have we learned? Is there hope still in the future? Is there hope beyond all hope? Well, I know there is an answer. What we're going down is the bridge. 
The bells that toll 